The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Uh, this morning, I want to speak to you guys about having a heart of gratitude. A heart of gratitude, which I think is just so fitting because um, obviously each one of you guys have just been in the atmosphere here this morning. I just think there's a real sense um, and just a real spirit of thankfulness and gratitude here. And you could just sense it in through the songs, um, the message that they were portraying whilst we were in praise and worship. And just what Pastor Anne said when she first got up and that word that she brought, uh, just a common theme, I think, through the service this morning. That wasn't planned, so I think we're onto something here. So I'm believing uh, that God's got a word that's in season Uh, For you guys, I believe it's going to be challenging, inspiring, but I believe that most of all, it's going to bring life change in a positive way. So does that sound good? Cool, let's pray. God, we just thank you so much that your Bible says where two or more are gathered, there you are, God. And you are here this morning, and we just ask your Holy Spirit reign in this place this morning, God. Have your way in us, God. Lord, we just open up our hearts right now, God, and despite what might be going on in our life, and you know, there might be a heck of a lot, God, and a lot of challenge and a lot of opposition at the moment, but we just, as a congregation, as individuals, we make a choice, God, that we're not going to let that stuff rob us of what you want to do in our life and through the power of your word this morning. So God, not our will, but your will be done. May our hearts be soft and receptive, ready to receive your word, that we would be hearers but not just hearers, but doers as well, and that we would apply and be obedient to what we hear, God, and that there would be incredible life change, that we would become more like you as a result of hearing your word this morning. And everyone said? Amen, amen, amen. A few years ago now, probably going back about 11 or 12, there was, uh, there was a moment where I was really wanting a iPod. The iPods had just come out, so we're going back quite a fair while. Like first, I think first year of our marriage or something like that. Second year, and uh, I'm, I'm a sportsman. Um, you know, it's in my DNA. Love to keep fit, so love playing any sports. And uh, I run quite regularly, twice, more like three times a week. I run about 10, 11 k. Just love to love to keep fit. And uh, naturally, as a runner, for a very long time, I never used to run to music or anything like that because back in the day, just before iPods came out, you had like those old things called cassette players and CD players or the portable discmen, I think they were. And uh, I know the younger generation over here, anyone under 20 is just going, you're a freak. What the heck are you talking about? Now, I swear to you, I'm not lying. You used to have a a player that was about that, but you could play CDs and you could carry it around. I mean, it, it was tough because after the end of each day, you'd need like a chiropractor session because of like the weight of these things. And because of the weight, I didn't, I obviously didn't buy one because you, know, you try and put that in your pants, your pants are constantly falling down. That's sort of, you know, pretty hard for a runaway, constantly pulling your pants up, a little bit embarrassing as well. So I never tried to run with a Discman or a cassette player, but once the iPod came out, well, that changed the game, didn't it? And so naturally I wanted an iPod. And so I started dropping these hints to my wife leading up to Christmas and just knowing, you know, the loving wife that I have and the fact that she listens to me and she knows my every need. And, you know, I just believe that she's the Proverbs 31 woman. She's the perfect wife. I knew, but by dropping hints, I'm like, sure, she would pick it up. And they were pretty obvious hints as well. And so this went on for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and it got close to Christmas time. It actually got to Christmas time. Well, long story short, got to Christmas time. And I left the small little box about yay big to last, because it looked like it was about the uh, size of an iPod. And uh, so I start digging into this thing. I'm excited. I'm excited, as you can imagine. 
but it just come out in the last year or so, and I'm holding into this thing, and uh, I remember as I just ripped off that last bit of wrapping, I just remember going on this emotional roller coaster. I remember just going from the height of euphoria and just excitement and anticipation down to the lowest depths of despair and discouragement. And I'm pretty sure had I gone to a psychologist, I would have been clinically diagnosed, diagnosed with depression in this moment. Because this is real life, people. This is real life. And I remember ripping off that bit of paper, and it was not an iPod. It was an MP3 player. <laughs> now, some of you guys here might be going, well, what's, what's the big deal about that? There's a huge deal, people, between an iPod and an MP3 player. Let me tell you. An MP3 player is like the No Frills home brand version of the iPod. It's a poor man's version of an iPod. I was not happy with an MP3 player. Now, you might be thinking, this is a first world problem, I understand that, not a third world problem, but it was real to me, people, okay? I was pretty depressed. Now, I thought with about six months of counselling, I might be able to sort of work my way through the grief and the trauma of not being, you know, getting what I wanted, the iPod. That wasn't the worst thing, though. When I got it and I unwrapped it, it was purple in colour. My wife bought me an MP3 player and it was purple. So I'm now navigating the grief of not getting what I wanted, getting a poor man's version of the iPod, and it was purple. I'm thinking it could have been any colour other than purple or pink. I'm like, do you love me at all, babe? Do you want me to be a man at all? I'm like, I would have taken black, charcoal, bright yellow, orange, green. She buys me a purple one. That's still not the worst part. She thought she would be nice and put some music on there for me. Now, she knows that I'm a rocker from way back. I love my rock. So I'm thinking she's going to put Pearl Jam on, ACDC, a bit of Creedence Clearwater Revival, something like that. No, 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 no. My wife puts on Ronan Keating's greatest hits. <laughs> Ronan Keating. I'm like, shoot me now. I'm thinking, okay, you bought me an MP3 player, it's purple, and it's got Ronan Keating on it. I remember the first time I took it out for a test run, and here I am, you know, trying to look all tough and macho in my run, and I've got this pink little beautiful little MP3 player, and I'm running, listening to Life is a Roller Coaster by Ronan Keating. I mean, when I got home, I don't think I had an ounce of testosterone left in my body. Not only that, but I think I developed some estrogen as well in it. And I don't know if that's possible, but it was that day. And I can tell you right now, I was not thankful and I was not grateful for that present. I remember it very, very vividly. I was very disappointed. Now, obviously, I've come a long, long way since then. And I've come a long way in learning how to find the beauty in the strength in all things that have a feminine edge to them. Such as... Pink, the colour. I am now a fan of pink, as you can see, although I like to call it salmon because it's a little bit more macho, but I'm a fan of pink. Any guys here a fan of pink at all? Come on, there's got to be a couple. Yes, couple here. We've got to stick together. Only a small minority that would have our gin. Come on. I know you're a pink love. We've got to stick together because we're the future, brother. We're the future for men. Pink. Lover of pink. But I'm also very much enjoying learning about the little nuances of womanhood by watching, here it is, here it is, the Gilmore Girls. There it is. I put it out there, people. Put it out there for all the men. I'm the trailblazer. I've been watching Gilmore Girls. I'm up to the second season, and I am absolutely loving it. Absolutely loving it. Now, Rory 
Rory, I want to give a headbutt sometimes. I'm not a big fan of Rory, but the rest of it, I'm very much enjoying. So I've grown and matured quite a fair bit. But the point that I'm making was that I know that I was incredibly rude to my wife, and I was not thankful, and I did not hold back in showing that lack of ingratitude to her for that present. And if we're all being honest here this morning, you know, in reflection of our own lives, because I know I'm probably not the only one here, it'd be pretty safe to say and conclude that thankfulness doesn't a lot of the time flow naturally for us as human beings. You know, gratitude as a virtue and as a quality isn't necessarily something that we automatically default to. You know, there was a study done just recently by a neuropsychologist from Berkeley University in California, and she, didn't, uh, she asked the question, two questions, to 2,000 average Americans, and these are the two questions. She asked, how many times a week would you be intentional about thinking about being grateful? So how many times in a week would you think about being intentional, being grateful in life? And the second question was, where is it? How often would you express that gratitude to others? So if someone did something for you or gave you something, how often would you express your gratefulness and your thankfulness? And here's the results. Only 53% said they focused on thinking, intentionally thinking about being grateful on a weekly basis. Only half, and that's just once in a week. Only 53%. And only 23% said that they actually verbally expressed their gratitude to others on a weekly basis. So if someone did something or said something, only one out of five possibly may have felt it, but only one out of five actually expressed it to that person that did something or gave them something. And you know, gratitude and thankfulness, in my opinion, is something that I believe is becoming a lost and a forgotten virtue in our day and age. You know, most people are probably aware that the Gen Ys, the millennials, they have a tag or a title, you know, a banner over them. And this is the banner, that they are the entitled generation. And I'm a millennial myself, and I think there's a lot of truth in that statement because I personally, as you're about to hear in a minute, have massively struggled with an entitlement mentality. And you know what? At the end of the day, that's obviously just a generalization. And whether you agree with that title, whether you agree with that tag over that generation and any other generation for that matter, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say that all of us here, the one thing we can all agree on is that humanity, to some degree, has always wrestled with this tension of ingratitude and gratitude. And let me prove my point. Who here has ever been a kid or a teenager or raised one? Yep, there you go. Point proven. You've, oh, you've experienced ungratitude and you've probably engaged in it as a young person or as a teenager. I know for me and Mandy, you know, our, t- our two little kids, we love them to death. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, gratitude's not necessarily one of the virtues that flows from them. You know, seven times, I would probably say a pretty safe number would be seven times out of ten, anytime we do something for them or we take them somewhere, it's always followed up with the question that we are all so familiar about because we had it drummed into us and asked by our parents time and time and time again when we were given something or they took us somewhere and we didn't automatically thank them for it. What was the question that they asked us? What do you say? What do you say? And that's the question that we're constantly asking our kids. We have to be intentional with our kids about cultivating a heart of gratitude and thankfulness because it is not a natural default mode that we revert back to as human beings. 
You know, at the end of the day, uh, gratitude isn't generally our natural default mode. And this is mainly because of the fact that we have a fleshly and a carnal side to us. And as human beings, you know, we're broken and we're tainted by sin. And as a result of that, we all have that propensity to lean more towards being ungrateful, having an attitude of ingratitude rather than being thankful and being grateful in our life. See, this message this morning, this message this morning is very much for me, just as much as it possibly is for you guys. You know, this tension between gratitude and ingratitude is one that I've wrestled with for a lot of my life. And to be honest, more times than not, ingratitude has been the the characteristic that's prevailed. And, you know, I'm not proud of that, but that's the reality of my life. That's one of the the struggles and the challenges that I've had in my life is this tension between gratitude and ingratitude. And you only have to ask my mum, where is she this morning? You only have to ask my mum in a second. She'll be all too quick to probably go, heck, yes, you're an ungrateful child. If I ask her that question, here we go. It's not going to be good for my self-esteem, but I'll put it on the line here. Mum, was I more of an ungrateful child or was I a grateful child? Give it to me. Yeah, come on. I can handle it. I can handle it. I was an ungrateful child, wasn't I? That, that there is the political correct way, the big pause there, to say, heck yes, you're an ungrateful child. So we'll read between the lines there. Appreciate that. Appreciate just the pause, even the fact that you tried to have a bit of a think about it there. For my sake, that was good. But, uh, you know, if we're being honest, you know, I've, I've really struggled with this. As a kid, I was a very, very ungrateful kid. And unfortunately, it's continued on well into my teenage years and unfortunately well into my adult years. And that was mainly thanks to a victim mentality and an entitlement mentality that I allowed myself to develop through probably some of the the tougher times in my life, some of the tougher challenges. And rather than surrendering that stuff to God, which I had every opportunity to do, I didn't, and I held on to it. And that entitlement mentality and that victim mentality is what basically cultivated an attitude of ingratitude in my life. Because if we can look up at the screen here, if we can put that slide up, and this is the reason why. Because a victim mentality, this is one of the challenges that I've struggled with, a victim mentality, when you are driven by a victim mentality, your heart and your mind is so consumed with blame towards others for what you don't have, that there's no room in your heart and mind for gratitude to exist and to be expressed for what you already have. The fact is, if you walk around life with a victim mentality like I did, your heart and your mind is more consumed with blaming others for what you don't have, that there's no room for gratitude to cultivate itself, to grow. And if it can't grow in you, you can't give what you don't have. So you've got to make that space in your heart for that to be able to be cultivated. But it's never going to have any room whilst you're walking around blaming others for what you don't have. You're never going to have gratitude to thank God for what you actually do have, which is so much, which we'll touch on a bit later. And the second one is... If we can put that up, entitlement mentality. This was the other one that I've really struggled with. When you are driven by an entitlement mentality, your heart and mind is so consumed with, I deserve and you owe me to have any room for gratitude to exist and again, to be expressed for what you already have. You know, if your heart is so full of, you owe me and I deserve, there's no room, again, there's not a conducive environment in your heart to cultivate thankfulness and gratitude and you can't express what you don't have. And it's so powerful. And there's many more. I couldn't put any more. There was a couple, I think, greed and also 
Um, affluence was another one. Uh, just the fact that you know we have so much in this first world um, country. You know we get so used to it. Um, you know it sort of loses its shine and its appeal. And I think we get comfortable with what we have. And I think that can also develop a sense of entitlement and, and, and a sense of ingratitude when we just get comfortable and get used to having so much. So, but obviously we don't have time to go into that. And that's not an exhaustive list, but just four of the main ones that I thought of that are real catalysts, but also sustainers of ingratitude in our life. You need to write that down. Those two up there, they are catalysts and sustainers of ingratitude in your life. So they need to be knocked on the head and they need to be dealt with. They need to be surrendered to God because whilst you're struggling with them, you will struggle to ever cultivate a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. See, that victim and entitlement mentality, that it developed a sense of ingratitude in me. But unfortunately, that wasn't the worst part. Over time, that ingratitude had robbed and stolen my joy and my peace. And for so much of my life, you know, and I've really struggled to sort of get my head around it up until now, until God's really just sort of given me a revelation about the power of gratitude in our life and how it can change our life in a powerful way. And I walked around for so long, could never work out how I can have so much in my life and be so blessed, but yet be robbed of so much joy and so much peace. And, you know, it was a real conundrum in my life. You know, I walked around like a bear with a sore head, just miserable a lot of the time on the inside and whilst at the same time making so many others miserable around me because at the end of the day, you hang around someone who's got a victim mentality, entitlement mentality and is ungrateful, you just want to headbutt that person and walk away. You ain't going to want to hang out with someone like that and so much of my life, you know, there was people that I was really irritating the wrong way because, all because of this sense of ingratitude that I had in my life. And I was oblivious to it for so long that it was ingratitude that was stealing my sense of joy and peace and just making me miserable. And such is the power of gratitude and ingratitude in our life. And I think, I think a lot of us, we seriously underestimate the power and the life change that gratitude can bring in our life. And I'm about to highlight that out of a portion of scripture that we're about to read in just a few seconds. But I want you to write this down because this this little uh, tag, I suppose I'm giving you now, statement, is what my whole message hinges on. And this is the number one takeaway that I want you to go away with this morning. So write this down, and it's this. That ingratitude, and it's up on the screen, has the power to both take from you and keep you from. Ingratitude has the power to both take from you and keep you from. You've just heard and seen this outplayed in the testimony that I just gave you. What was it that ingratitude stole from me and kept me from? Joy and peace. It stole my joy and peace and it kept it at bay. Jesus wanted to give it to me. It was there as accessible, but whilst I had ingratitude in my life, it kept it at bay because the two can't coexist together. And so it took something from me and it kept me from it. That's the power of ingratitude in our life. And uh, you've seen that now displayed in my life. You've heard about that. But what I want to do is actually just turn to the book of Luke. So if you've got your Bibles there, turn to the book of Luke. Uh, chapter 17, verse 11, famous story about the 10 lepers. But I'm hoping this morning that as I share something really profound that God just showed me in the last sort of six months or so, uh, and it's changed my world, it's changed my life in such an incredible way, this revelation. And I've read this story so many times before, but I've never picked up on this. And I'm probably presuming a lot of you guys haven't as well. So I hope it's a, a new ream, a new revelation uh, for you guys this morning. But I believe if you catch it and you outwork in your life, it is going to make such a positive difference in your life. And I believe that it's a text that highlights so beautifully and so powerfully the tension 
between ingratitude or ungratefulness and gratitude, but it also just so beautifully highlights this idea or this statement that ingratitude has the power to both take from you and keep you from. So Luke 17, 11 to 19, and uh, I'll, I'll take you through it. So here we go. Verse 11, it says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Verse 12, As he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. Now, I just want to stop there and just give you a bit of context, a bit of background here, in particular about leprosy. And just want to talk about that because it's going to make a, a lot of sense as I come to the main point that I want to make at the end of this text. So you've got to understand this. See, leprosy, we don't sort of really hear much of it in our day and age, and that's mainly because there's cure for leprosy now. And I was listening to Andy Stanley podcast just a few weeks ago, and he was talking about the fact that just last year alone, I think there were 17 million people were cured from leprosy. So it, it is still around, more so in probably third world countries, not in first world countries. Uh, but even then, it's nowhere near an epidemic like it was back then because we have a cure. But back in Jesus' day, there was no cure whatsoever um, for leprosy. And if you caught leprosy, however that happened, you were basically deemed unclean and you were an outcast which basically meant you were kicked out of home, you were kicked out of your family, and you were kicked out of your community. And basically, you were forced into what was like a leper colony. And those colonies normally existed in the forest, in the wilderness, on the edge of the community. And uh, once you were posted out there, uh, you were not allowed back into the city. You were not allowed to associate with absolutely anyone but the lepers. And so being a leper was basically like a long-term death sentence because a lot of the time you didn't die instantly from leprosy, but you know, the effects physically um, were excruciating. And so it was just like a slow, slow death, but done in isolation. Uh, you couldn't enter the city. You couldn't associate, as I said, with anyone but other but lepers. When you came into the city, you had to ring a bell. So you had to have a bell, and you had to ring that bell, and basically that just let everyone know that they need to like part like the Red Sea and duck into homes because the leper's coming in. And so you didn't get to see anyone. You didn't get to speak to anyone. And at the same time, you're also a religious outcast as well because you were deemed, obviously, there'd been something that you'd said or done in your life. And so you know, according to a lot of the beliefs back then, God's punishing you for something that you've done wrong. So you're a religious outcast as well. So being a leper wasn't just demoralizing and damaging physically, but at the same time, it was incredibly crippling and damaging emotionally and mentally. You know, if you were a leper, you could be guaranteed that there would have been so much hurt, so much rejection, so much shame, disappointment, anger, you'd have anger, identity issues, you would suffer from self-esteem issues, because at the end of the day, if you were a leper, you didn't fit in and you didn't belong. That was the tag that was placed over your life. You were a social outcast. You were someone that we are not worthy of associating with. So you can imagine how much hurt and brokenness was on the inside, potentially, of these lepers. And you need to understand that again for the point that I'm going to make at the end, so hold on to that thought. Moving on, verse 12 to 14. It says this, so the 10 lepers stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. Now, something else we need to know here. Scholars believe that the priest that um, Jesus was referring to here was actually stationed in Jerusalem. So you had uh, Galilee up the top, you had Samaria in the middle, and then you had Jerusalem down the bottom. And here's obviously Jesus made his way from Galilee down to passing down through Samaria on his way to Jerusalem. So this was no mean feat for these 10 lepers potentially. This would have actually taken 
a fair bit of faith from these guys because they believed that from Samaria down to Jerusalem was about a two and a half to three day walk. So that's a six day round trip. At the same time, remember what the scripture said, that these guys spoke to Jesus from a distance because they knew because they were unclean, they weren't allowed to get close to anyone. So they would have had to have been at a distance from Jesus when they were trying to communicate with him. So there's a chance even that they didn't even know 100% if it was Jesus or not. They called out Jesus' master, and they probably had a good idea, but there was, wasn't necessarily an opportunity to be able to get close to 100% discern this. So there was possibly even a bit of vagueness there as to whether this was even Jesus. And then all Jesus gave them in return to their question was to go, go see the priest of Jerusalem. That was, that was all that he said to him. He didn't say, you're even here. He just said, go to the priest, and then he just goes on and go gets, gets himself a kebab over in Samaria in the village somewhere. So these guys don't even know 100% if it was actually Jesus or not. Jesus gives them one sentence, which is, go see the priest over in Jerusalem. That's it. And on top of that, they've got potentially a six-day return trip. So it would have had to have taken some sort of faith for these guys to walk out and walk over to Jerusalem. Because there was a lot of unknowns there. And it's another important fact that you need to understand when I come to my last point that I'm about to make in a second. So moving on to the scriptures. It comes to verse 15 to 19. This is going to bring um, the scriptures to a close here. It says, When one of them, just one of them, it's up on the screen, saw that he was healed, he came running back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God. He fell at the feet of Jesus. And I love this bit. Thanking him for what he had done. Then Jesus said, didn't I heal 10 men? What are the other, where are the other nine? Has no one else returned to give glory to God except this one foreigner? And then Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, I've, I've read this story many times, possibly like you guys have, but it was only just recently that I saw something in particularly odd, and if we can keep that last line up for a little bit, something about... This last line that you read there, it says, Jesus said, stand up, go, your faith has made you well. And I thought, well, this is quite strange because didn't Jesus already heal this Samaritan guy? And it possibly might have been up to six days earlier because of the, the round trip and that, but he'd already met once and he went down to the, uh, the priest and they got the clean bill of health from the priest and you were totally clean of leprosy. So I'm like, but then he comes back a second time and then Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And I thought, you know, what's going on here? This is quite strange because it's not as if, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, was an amateur at healing people and, you know, got it wrong the first time with this guy. So he's having a second attempt at trying to heal him. It's not as if Jesus, you know, had amnesia or because of his old age at 33, suffering from Alzheimer's or anything like that. That's not Jesus. So I'm thinking, okay, well, the word of God doesn't lie. So there must be something I'm missing here because he was already healed prior to this moment. So what's going on here? And it was at this moment, as I dug uh, a whole lot deeper, and I started really just uh, uh, flipping out at what the Holy Spirit was showing me here, because he showed me something about the power of gratitude that I'd never, ever, ever picked up on before. And it really just highlights the incredible change and breakthrough that gratefulness can bring into our lives. And so as a result, I dug a little bit deeper into the verse, and this is what I found out about that word up there, well, or in the NLT, which I've got down here, is healed. They're interchangeable in that, uh, in that verse. But well and healed, this is what I found out. That, that word well or healed there isn't actually a very accurate translation of the original Greek word used in this verse, which is sozo, 
So that's the original root Greek word that's supposed to be used there in that verse instead of well is actually sozo. And sozo actually means, and I love this, it's up on the screen there, it means to be saved, salvation, to be fully brought back to a state of complete wholeness and wellness, life in all its fullness. And when I read this, I just started flipping out because I'm just like, I've read this scripture so many times before and I've never picked up on the revelation of what is going on here. For so long, I had no idea of the full measure of what took place in this Samaritan's life in this moment because so much more was happening than just a physical healing. So often we read this and we just think that the guy got healed of leprosy and that's it. Uh -uh. This is multi-layered. There are so many miracles going on in this moment. It's unbelievable. See, the Samaritan, he was healed physically of leprosy the first time he met with Jesus or spoke to him from a distance, went down to the priest, got healed. So the first time he encountered Jesus, he was healed physically of leprosy. But the second time he came back, which is that last sentence there, he didn't receive physical healing again. He received sozo. He received sozo. Which actually meant, which actually means this, that not only did this man receive his physical healing six days prior, but in that moment, in that last line, he received salvation. He was saved, which means he started a relationship with God. His name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He was going to spend eternity with God. So he got saved in that moment. That's what that word well means. Not just healed physically, he got saved in that moment. But I love this too. Second thing that happened there, he was cleansed healed, made whole, and restored completely on the inside. He received life and life to its fullest that John 10.10 talks about. Life being salvation, but then life in its fullest, totally restored to complete wholeness and perfection on the inside. I loved this revelation when Jesus was speaking to me. You know, those nine lepers, that ingratitude, stole from them the opportunity for salvation and inner healing and kept them from it. Remember that statement that I made before? That ingratitude, it steals something from you and keeps you from something. That absolutely happened here for these uh, nine lepers. It kept them from the opportunity of receiving salvation and having inner healing. Because you know, Jesus had every single intention of giving them other nine what that other one received. There was no other common denominator that would have separated them from being able to receive what Jesus wanted. They had every opportunity. And you know what? It wasn't their faith at the end of the day or their lack of faith that stopped them from receiving it. Because remember how I said before? It actually would have taken faith to walk down to that priest in the first first place. So they had faith. So if it wasn't faith that caused these guys to miss out on the greater that God had for them, what was it? It was a faith of thankfulness and gratitude. Such is the power of gratitude in our life. How incredible is that? that just, I just did backflips when I read about this. And Pastor John just confirmed this during the week when I was talking to him about my sermon and I started talking about the theme and obviously the scripture that I was deriving my message from. And he's actually preached a similar message many years ago. And so he was able to actually confirm the whole deal about sozo and everything like that. And uh, we, I'll spot on with the definition of that. But what he also said to me was this, and he said, it's probably something you don't know, which is that in the Greek language, there's a lot of imagery that's actually attached to the words themselves. And he said to me that the, the image that's actually attached to the word sozo is actually the image of a jar or a vase that's been totally shattered and cracked, but then has been put back together into total 
perfection, total wholeness, and it's been totally restored. And I was just like, wow, wow, wow. And that was just more confirmation that I was obviously on the right track with you know, the, the little nuances that I've been digging deeper for. Just absolutely incredible. See, for me personally, ingratitude stole from me the opportunity for joy and peace. That was God's greater. That's God's greater that God wanted for me and wanted, has done for most of my life. But because of ingratitude, it's stolen it from me and it's kept it from me as well. And we just heard about what ingratitude did to those nine lepers because they had every opportunity to get, to get a hold of what that one Samaritan got, that salvation and that inner healing. They could have had that, but they missed out because they did not come back to thank God. Gratitude and a sense of thankfulness wasn't in their heart like it was for this guy. And that gratitude, that thankfulness is what opened up the door. And we're talking about to open doors. That is our theme for our church for 2017. You know, Maybe, just maybe, have a think about this, that in your life, that breakthrough that you're believing for, that provision that you're believing for, maybe it doesn't actually hinge off you necessarily conjuring up more faith or praying more. Now, it might. God might be uh, challenging you to pray more because maybe you don't have a prayer life and you need to start praying or maybe it's only very minuscule and so God's actually encouraging you to pray more. Maybe that is the case. Maybe he's even asking you to fast with it. Maybe you don't have much faith and God is actually asking you to have faith. So I'm not negating that. But maybe, just maybe, like this other Samaritan, it wasn't necessarily a lack of the fact that he wasn't praying very much or that he didn't have enough faith. Just maybe your breakthrough and the provision, the greater that God has for you, isn't just on the other side of your willingness to thank God and to be grateful for what you do currently have, just like this one Samaritan. I'm not saying it definitely is, but hey, maybe I know for me, joy and peace has only started coming back into my life, and I've been able to enjoy you know, those incredible virtues and qualities off the back of learning the lesson of being grateful and thankful. It's not come off the back of having more faith or praying more. I've done all that. The lesson that God's been trying to teach me for so long is you need to cultivate a heart of thankfulness and gratitude. And only when I've surrendered to God and allowed him to start cultivating that in me, and I've been intentional about making that decision, and I'm going to teach you in a minute the application side, how do we be intentional about developing gratitude, but only then have I started to see the breakthrough just like this Samaritan dude in his life, in my life. You know, maybe, just maybe, it's a Paul and Silas situation for you. Your breakthrough, your provision, that greater that God has for you, maybe it's just on the other side of you, willing in the midst of your challenging circumstances, not when you come out the other side, because it's very easy to praise God when we're on the mountaintop, but when you're in the valley, maybe your breakthrough, just like Paul and Silas, when they're in chains, nothing's going well for them. What did they do? What was the one thing that they did that brought about their breakthrough? They praised and thanked God, and God did the miracle, brought them into the promised land for them, which was obviously freedom out of their cell and their prison. Who knows that maybe that is not your deal here this morning. You, God's trying to teach you how to be grateful and how to be thankful despite your circumstances. And I don't want to belittle anyone's circumstances here. I know there's some real pain going on, so I don't want to belittle it. But just because we're going through pain does not change the fact that our God deserves our praise each and every day for what he's done. Even if God chose not to give you guys and bless you guys anymore from this point on in your life. Now, that's not going to happen because God says he only knows how to give good gifts because he's such a faithful and a good father. So he's absolutely going to bless you. 
But let's just say for argument's sake, he chose not to bless you anymore for the rest of your life. You know what? God still deserves our gratefulness and our thankfulness every second of every day just based on what he did on that cross alone. Because at the end of the day, we had a debt to pay for our sin and it was separation from God for eternity. We deserve to pay that debt. And he came out of his love for us and he laid down his life when he didn't have to. It wasn't his debt and his price to pay, but he came in and said, I'll pay you ransom because I love you and I can't stand being separated from you because I created you for relationship with me. Nothing more, nothing less. That was the main intention for creating humanity for relationship. And he was going to go to the ends of the earth to make sure he got that back. And he died the most gruesome death he could for us when he didn't have to. And we now get an opportunity to have a relationship with God, to receive life and life in its abundance, spend eternity in heaven with God, all because because of the love, the grace, and the mercy of God. You tell me, that is worth praising God every second of every moment of every day, despite the fact that he may not choose to give us one other thing. But he will. Don't worry about that. And so this morning, if I can get the keyboardist up, that'd be great. What I want to do just in closing this morning is I just want to give you guys the application to the message. So I just want to inspire you as to, you know, wanting and desiring uh, a sense of gratitude and, and thankfulness and, and leave you hanging. You know, I want to give you the application. I want to give you the handles to this, the how-to in your life. And, uh, you know, I'm convinced this morning that if you do this little challenge that uh, I'm about to give you guys, and I've called it the seven-day gratitude challenge. And I'm just starting off with seven days because I want it to uh, be doable for every single person here. I don't want to ask uh, you know, to you to bite off more than you can chew. And this is something I'm actually committing to for 365 days. So uh, I've actually started a gratitude journal that I started on the 1st of January. And I'm writing down five things each and every day that I'm grateful for. And then what I do is, and it only takes five minutes or so after I've uh, written down my five, I then just get before God and I just thank God for those five things. And then if there's anything on that list that someone else has done for me or given me, I then go and express it to them as well. So I'm trying to not only express it to God because every good gift comes from God, so he deserves the, the, the praise and the honor and thankfulness for everything on that list. But then not everything on your list may be from something someone's done or said. But if there is, I make sure I go and express that gratitude to them as well. And that's the challenge I want to put to you guys, but just for seven days. And I, I dare you, just take five minutes out of your day, write down five things that you're grateful for, and express that thanks to God and express it to the people if need be. And I guarantee you it will start to change your life. And I'm hoping that you might want to go on and continue this, you know, not just for the rest of the year like me, but hopefully and potentially keep this up for the rest of your life, which is what I intend to do because I have seen the fruit just over the last few months of doing this in my life. And I love it. I'm loving just the authenticity of the love that in my relationship, my intimacy with God that I now have that I didn't have. And it's all as a result of cultivating this, this, this heart of gratitude and thankfulness in my life life. So I dare you to do this. And I, I believe absolutely it's going to produce a greater sense of joy and peace in your life, despite what your circumstances may tell me. If you can learn to cultivate a heart of thankfulness and gratitude, I believe it'll improve your relationships with your spouse, with your friends, because here's a thought. Whenever anyone does something for you or gives you something, what actually happens is whether you're aware of this or not, it actually creates a debt between you and them. So if you imagine you two up the friend, uh, up the top here, you and your friend, your friend gives or does something for you. Now, they're down the bottom here, they've just given you, they've done something for you. There's now a debt 
that you owe them. You owe them something. And that thing that you owe them is gratitude, is thankfulness for what they've done, in particular in their eyes. Maybe not so much in yours, but in their eyes, they've just done something for you. So you would like, would you not, and correct me if I'm wrong, for them to at least just say thank you and be grateful. Absolutely. So there is now a debt that you owe that person that's done something for you. And this is why there's so much tension and conflict, even in marriages today, because so much is done for one person. And even though that other person may end up feeling grateful on the inside, it's not expressed. And gratefulness that's not expressed is still ungratefulness because the other person has no idea that you're grateful. And so you're going to leave yourself bankrupt. You're going to leave that relationship bankrupt. And you're going to cause tension and conflict in your marriage and your friendships until you learn the art form of being grateful and thankful because the minute you say thanks and you're grateful, you close up that loop in that relationship and you've now just paid that debt. Does that make sense? And so for that reason, I can guarantee that your relationships will start to improve. Gratitude has absolutely scientifically been proven. You can go check this out on the net. Go and ask one of our doctors here. Absolutely been um, proven scientifically to improve physical health, but also psychological health as well. So I can guarantee there's going to be an improvement if you learn to cultivate a heart of thankfulness and gratitude. And the last thing is, who knows? Who knows, but it may even just open up the door to the breakthrough and the provision that you've been believing for, that God wants to bring into your life, just like that Samaritan. Who knows? might just be on the other side of your thankfulness and your gratefulness despite your circumstances. Is that good? Awesome. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.